Have you ever wondered why it's difficult to give your attention, energy, and take action on what matters the most to you? Or to speak up with clarity from the best part of yourself? If that's you, then you're in the right place. The follow-through formula is dedicated to providing daily inspiration for you to follow through on the real you. Hello again, this is episode 24 of the Follow Through Formula Podcast, and I'm Rick Lewis, following through on a commitment to do 21 days of podcasting in a row. Now you might be asking, if it's episode 24, how can you say this is part of following through on 21 episodes in a row? This is something that really interests me. Maybe more than anything that's come so far. Because each day I was getting up with a desire to follow through on this goal, completing 21 podcasts in a row. So I would get up and there would be that motivation there, this human accomplishing motivation to do 21 in a row and to be able to say, I did it. And on day 22, I even talked about this, about the importance of having a goal and incrementally moving toward that goal and acknowledging for yourself that I'm doing this. It's being successful and to take that in and to celebrate it. That got me through episodes 1 to 21, and then there was episode 22, which was kind of the wrap-up, where I realized that I needed to acknowledge and appreciate what had just happened. And after that, episode 23, which I called the worst episode that could happen, which actually I think is probably the best episode so far, and the reason it's the best episode is because something even more real is starting to occur. And the realness that I'm talking about is showing up along with the feeling of not wanting to follow through anymore. What could there possibly be of value in the feeling of running out of motivation to do something you've been committed to, not having the motivation to follow through, waking up and feeling, I don't really want to do this anymore. So at first blush, it would be easy to just go, oh, well, it's over then. I should stop because I don't feel like it. And then what occurred to me was not feeling like following through is actually the beginning of follow through. That's where follow through really begins. Up to that point, you're just riding the chemistry of a honeymoon. It's like a new relationship. It takes no effort on your part. 
to just follow along behind a chemical trail of the love cocktail that gets created when you just have attraction for someone that is naturally occurring and you pursue it and you enjoy it and you revel in it, but it's not of your doing. It's something you stumble into and you can say yes to, but it never lasts forever. At least in the same form. People change. Bodies change. The brain becomes inured to the signals that once produced excitement. And now it just feels like the same thing day after day. The novelty wears off. And the novelty is now wearing off on a daily podcast. And what's interesting, what's now, what's shifting for me is a curiosity about, well, what's there beyond wanting to, when you don't want to do something anymore, what happens then? when you continue to follow through and who or what is following through if you don't want to. And this goes back to the conversation that I've been having about integrity. What part of us is motivated to take action on a goal? And if that part changes or goes away, then who follows through? Who's going to pick up the ball and make sure that there's still someone there to get up in the night when a child has a bad dream and the parent is exhausted and can barely find a part of themselves that wants to respond to that call. Who makes the best cup of coffee in town when the person who has opened that coffee shop and knows how to make that cup of coffee that you absolutely love but who makes the cup of coffee when that person gets up after 10 years of being in business and doesn't feel like getting up at 4 or 5 a.m. and making that coffee in advance so you can go have it at whatever time you roll out of bed and go get that perfect coffee. Who does that? Who's the one who goes to sit at their computer to complete the novel that you're now reading when they didn't want to write, when nothing in them had any motivation to go produce more of the story that you're in the middle of enjoying? Who completed the roads that you drive on and the entertainment that you consume? Who created the stand-up routine that you laugh your butt off at? The comedian that you love? Who spent the thousands of hours coming up with the gags and then the five or ten years testing those jokes on millions of people 
to hone it to the point where they could deliver 20 minutes of stand-up material that you love and enjoy. Who kept doing that? There's something inside of a human being that can go beyond the motivation to do it. And that's what interests me right now. In that way, follow-through is a kind of spiritual experience because it, it transcends the human frame. It transcends the capacity of what the human psyche and the human identity, the human ego alone can produce, which is limited by its separate sense of what's in it for them. What if there's no more reward for the part of us that started something in the first place? Then who picks up the ball and actually follows through on a project, a vision, a cause, a calling? Now it gets interesting. This is where a new kind of possibility really shows up. Because a follow-through can carry on somehow without motivation to do it. Then there's the real possibility of something extraordinary coming through. Maybe follow-through is more of an empty space than one that is full of passion to do something. The passion is sort of like the first launch stage of a rocket. When they send the rocket up into space, there's a huge storage of fuel that's in that st first stage of the rocket, and it, it gets you into orbit, breaking through the Earth's atmosphere, initial large pull of gravity that must be escaped, and then that piece of the rocket gets sloughed off. All the energy, all the fuel gets burned out of it, and then it drops away. And then you've got a lighter load. There's less fuel, but there's also less resistance. And that first stage seems to be the domain in which we play in, mostly, especially in Western culture. It's all about reaching your goals and crushing it. That first stage is where we make a million dollars and where we get a hundred thousand followers on Twitter or a million views on YouTube. All of this whips that sense of conquering and winning and being somebody into this juicy, wonderful, yummy frenzy of I made it and I am somebody. But what happens when you wake up and realize those millions of YouTube followers haven't essentially changed your experience of life or how much you love yourself or a kind of emptiness inside that has been trying to fill itself up with popularity or money or success. Then, who follows through? And we might say that a life that's worth living comes after we've reached our goals. Because then we have to dig even deeper and ask ourselves some very important questions about what we're doing here. Why we get up in the morning. 
And now we've entered a realm where we're talking about a spiritual path. We're grappling with an existential question about the meaning of life. But the thing is, we can't do that in our heads. This can't be a conceptual conversation, a philosophical conversation. Because follow-through has to do with the nuts and bolts of actual action, of hands-on engagement with the world, of behavior, of taking actual steps towards something. And so when we don't know what we're doing or why we're doing it, we have to really pay attention and look for signs and clues and hints in the actual fabric of our activity about what direction we should go. And that's part of the beauty of the first phase of action. I've been coming here every day into my dark shower stall to have a conversation about follow through. And when I woke up this morning and there was nothing there, the motivation was gone. What I still had was the physical sensation of being inside of the dark shower, the the memory and the feeling of walking downstairs early in the morning and walking into this dark shower stall and giving myself over to a waiting conversation about follow-through that I don't even know what it is. And when we act into the emptiness of a habit we've established in that first phase, which is essential, it's almost like the human motivation to do something at the beginning in that honeymoon phase is a seed that gets planted and it must get planted. There won't be any tree if the seed doesn't get planted. But the seed has to disappear. The seed gets destroyed when it germinates and the plant actually starts to grow. Then you can't find the seed anymore. What you've got are roots going down and plant coming up. And that seed that disappears is that sense of, I want to, I want to do this. I'm so excited about this. I have a good friend of mine who is a spiritual teacher in the tradition of Buddhism. And she often talks to me about her uh, commitment to renounce passion. And I love her dearly. And we have amazing conversations together. But I never know what she's talking about or haven't known what she's talking about when she talks about renouncing passion. I always think to myself, why would you want to renounce passion? Passion is so much fun. And perhaps what I'm touching on and experiencing today has to do with the necessity of renouncing passion. Renouncing doesn't mean that you never allow it and that you try and crush it or get rid of it. But perhaps it just means you're no longer relying on it for your life to occur. Maybe we're just saying something else is in charge of me besides my passionate desire to do something. Something else causes me to act. Or I let something else be the origin point of my activity other than the desire to do it. 
is follow through in the pursuit of follow through and what it actually is. The beginning of a search for a force that's beyond ourselves that acts in our absence when we've got no fuel in the tank and we're at the end of our rope or we're desperate or we don't know where to turn next. Is that what follow through could actually be? Is follow through the origin point of true service, true creativity, true genius? It makes me wonder if Einstein wanted to spend all his time thinking about the theory of relativity or the other things that he pondered, which eventually produced these revelations of scientific principle. He somehow produced that without a million followers on Instagram cheering him on to get him to keep contemplating the universe. It strikes me that it's essentially important to have an example of follow-through in your life, meaning a person that you can brush up alongside of who's an example of real follow-through, who keeps showing up day after day beyond the usual frame of motivation that every commercial which has ever been produced is appealing to the immediate gratification of human ego. It's important to know one human being who's made it through the labyrinth of the need to want to do something and to keep going and demonstrate what it looks like to keep going when that first stage of rocket burns out and drops off. What do the people who keep going have? What do they tap into that the rest of us aren't seeing? And whatever they're catching a hold of, whatever subtle energy or spirit they're riding on that allows them to follow through when the rest of us stop and stay in bed, that's something that might interest us. And who are those people? For me, the first person who comes to mind is my spiritual teacher, a man named Lee Lazowick who died 10 years ago. And I spent a fair bit of time with him, around him in person, when he was alive. And there's not a single person I've ever met in my life who was more an example of follow-through than Lee was. I'd say that no human being I've ever met or seen has ever inspired me as much as Lee, but that really wouldn't be an accurate portrayal of my relationship to him because part of him was very inspiring and part of him was just scary. And what I mean by that is because he was animated by a force that didn't have to do with his personality or his interactions with any other human being, he wasn't predictable or mappable or understandable. He was very inscrutable, but he had a presence and a depth of being which was so magnetic. I wanted what he was tapped into. Day after day, he'd show up to be present and available for his students, even when a student was displaying 
behavior that was stubborn, unconscious, petulant. And I include myself in that category. Because if you really look at human beings and what drives us and what shows up in our lives, there are forces of resistance and refusal that are profound inside of us. And we could say that the spiritual path is about coming to terms with those and really discovering them and finding a way to work with those parts of ourselves that don't have to stop us from pursuing the highest form of good in life. To voluntarily put yourself in the path of the obstacles that other human beings have to realizing their spiritual nature, that's not a pretty job to have. That's not a job that you wake up after the first honeymoon blush of saying, I'm a spiritual teacher, and then want to keep doing each day. I watched him follow through day after day, demonstrating what follow through looks like. And he was no one's idea of what a spiritual master should look like. He loved to sell books and bronze I mean statuary, bronze statues. He was a purveyor of sacred art toward the end of his life. He was a full-on salesman. He loved sales. He loved business. He grew a set of four-foot-long dreadlocks that he wore for years and then shaved them all off one day. He fronted as the lead singer, several rock bands, blues bands. And he was no kind of singer that you would ever imagine fronting a band. He sang from pure authenticity, but not through any accomplished vocal vehicle. The sound of his voice was not pretty, melodic, it wasn't even particularly adept at carrying a tune. And yet he sang night after night, song after song, all over the world. He traveled and toured with several bands as the lead singer because he was a lyricist and he wrote thousands of songs. And the number of performances he took part in is itself a clear demonstration that he was coming from a place that was beyond the desire of wanting to do this day after day. And yet he kept showing up to write down these lyrics, in addition to writing poems to his own spiritual master, an Indian saint named Yogi Ram Surat Kumar. Thousands of poems praising his spiritual teacher day after day. Did he want to write all those poems? Did the human part of him feel that emotional charge of undying devotion and praise for his master each day? Or did he just keep writing those poems even when the feeling wasn't driving the show? One of the most visible examples of Lee's follow-through was three years before he died when he contracted 
a form of cancer that affected his vocal cords and began to shut down the whole apparatus in his throat that needed to produce the sounds that allowed him to sing as the lead singer of his band, the Lilazowick Project. Not a single human being would ever have said, you should keep going, even though you can barely get sound to come out of your voice box. And instead, Lee kept touring and fronting his band, barely having the vocal apparatus to produce sound. Not only that, he recorded his last album in this state. He followed through. Why? What was moving him? What was so important about these songs and his lyrics and the communication that was being made that he kept going in the face of the severe discomfort and pain that he was experiencing as a person trapped in that sick and ailing body? This was one person in my life who showed me what follow-through looks like. And to be honest, I'm not sure that I want it. Because if follow-through actually wins out and is running the show, then all the things I say I want as a separate, comfortable human being, they're suddenly in jeopardy. Because real follow-through isn't tallying the votes of my small self. Follow-through is much bigger than that. And if I were to connect up to a form of follow-through that was that large and that powerful, what would happen to the me that wants to stay safe and secure and comfortable and invisible? So this project started as this 21-day commitment to follow-through which was exciting and fun. And I find myself here at the beginning of a different kind of territory with a question about what follow-through actually is and where follow-through really begins. And if the beginning point of follow-through is after that honeymoon is over and we begin to see what real follow-through is going to require from us. Who is an example of follow-through for you? Who have you seen follow-through in a way that's beyond the ordinary example of human self-centeredness? Who follows through when follow-through just doesn't make you look good anymore or sound good? I don't know the answer to these questions. But they're questions that interest me now in a different way than I was interested even the first 21 days of this project. But if you're still here and still listening, then I appreciate your good company. And we'll see where this goes next. This is Rick Lewis with the Follow Through Formula Podcast. And I'll be back tomorrow. Hey, thanks for being here and being a die-hard listener down to the last decibel. My vision for these conversations is that you get informed and inspired to take consistent action on the real you. 
If these podcasts help you to do that, I'm thrilled. And if you'd like to take that work to the next level, I invite you to join me inside the Life Leap community, where I'm creating a culture and a support network for those who want to pursue what matters most in their lives. To learn more, just go to gamesforconfidence.com and click on the Life Leap menu item. I'd love to see you on the inside, and otherwise, I'm sure we'll meet again in another episode.